from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is the Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to do it for each other. This is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, July 8th. Here in our summer camp underway, Jared Kelnick smacking one off the Hit It Here Cafe. It was a home run heard round the world. I'll play you the sound for that. He is just one of several standouts in camp, according to Skipper Scott Service. So we'll hear from the manager as well on Kyle Lewis, on Noel V. Marte, making their mark already in summer camp. How he thinks about the schedule, as we saw that come out yesterday in the Mariners' first matchup in Houston against the Houston Astros. Also ahead in this hour, our first chance to hear from Patrick Mahomes after he inked that record-setting contract. How might Russell Wilson be feeling today? And Colin Cowherd with some thoughts on both of those quarterbacks. It's ahead in this hour right now. Let's get to your headlines. Let's just start today off with a Jared Kelnick home run. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I've listened to that, watched that video a couple times, seen it floating around on Twitter yesterday. We'll, get, we'll dig into that in just a moment. But Scott Service actually speaking ahead of yesterday's workouts to the media and talking about the difference with a three-week preseason and ramp-up versus the usual six-week spring training that they have to work yeah, with. Yeah, it's certainly a three-week you know, camp and, and normal spring training six weeks. And you, in a normal spring, you've got four weeks or basically a month of games. So typically a relief pitch. Pitcher might get eight or nine outings, five, maybe five, four or five outings in maybe six in, in what we're doing here in summer camp. The starters typically get five starts. Uh, they're probably only going to get two or three starts in this camp. So um, it's just where we're at. I don't think we need the, the pitching will get enough work. Uh, there's no question about that. And you have to monitor it. Also making adjustments to get guys used to live action in a truncated ramp up. Yeah, the um, you know, it's it's. Where guys are at right now, uh, you know, getting them up to speed in shape, getting them to see velocity, spin, you know, that's kind of what the live VPs are about. Uh, once you get into game situation, it's already started in our clubhouse, kind of the, the back and forth talking. There's a few guys that uh, Taiwan Walker wants a piece of today, and some of those guys are, are ready to go. So uh, the competitiveness, it, it starts to come out. Speaking of that competitiveness, that – he expects Scott Service does to pick up as players get around each other more. You know, as that picks up, uh, there'll be more talking back and forth, uh, which is great. Uh, that, that's, that'll be good for us. You know, without outside competition, um, it's a way to increase the intensity a little bit. But, you know, I think once you start seeing us get into games, Jen, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, there was even more of that talk going on and little uh, wagers going on between certain teams and at-bats, things like that, which is all, all good. It's fun. What are the manager's thoughts on the game schedule, which we saw come out yesterday and a couple of notable matchups for for the Mariners on there and keeping things on the West Coast, of course. So some pretty formidable teams, at least when it comes uh, to the Dodgers and even within the AL West, we know the Houston Astros, the Oakland A's, uh, always competitive. Yeah, you know, the schedule is a schedule. Um, you know, I took a, a brief look at it last night and 
you know, we've opened up in Houston before. Um, you know, it's, again, it's it's more of the concern is you know just try to get our guys ready uh, physically, um, mentally, best we can. Uh, the schedule is the schedule. Um, not really um, that worried about it. People look at schedules. Oh, that one's a hard one. That one's an easy one. Everybody's got to play the games. Uh, unfortunately, they're, they're not balanced schedules this year. You know, so you know you, we're playing everybody in the West. Uh, we kind of knew that was coming. Uh, we have a tough division, and and the National League West is tough too. So. Uh, but it's it's it is what it is. The focus right now is really just getting on these guys, getting our guys ready to go. And most uh, all of these games will be in the evening. It will uh, basically do allow for travel time and things like that. But uh, Scott Service saying that they'll adjust their workout schedule to cater to that night schedule and get guys ready. Absolutely, Ryan. Uh, trying to get our guys on a consistent sleep schedule um, so it allows them to recover. And we're probably going to switch into that that mode earlier than what I was originally thinking about. So we may even see some of that, um, you know, here next week, um, go to the, uh, the group that's not playing in the game, have them working out at, you know, say one o'clock and then kind of rolling into a, uh, you know, early evening type game setup. So, um, it works. It makes the most sense, um, because we will be playing not a lot of night games when we get going. I'll also get a couple of inter-squad games coming up here uh, beginning on Friday. Here with Scott Service on how many of those games that they'll have. Uh, starting on Friday, um, every day uh, until we break and travel uh, over to Houston will be an inter-squad game. Uh, we've got um, an off day worked in there where I really don't want anybody to show up at the ballpark. Uh, I think we need to you know, just take a day and, and relax a little bit. An off day right now is scheduled for the 17th, uh, but... All the other days, we will be having an inter-squad game. Keep in mind, it's not going to be a full nine-inning game. Some days might be seven innings. Other days might be four or five innings. It all depends how the pitching falls uh, on those particular days. And that's a reminder. Baseball returns this Friday. The Mariners will play their first inter-squad game to get ready for the season. And you can hear it only right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Your favorite voices filling the airwaves, Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith. They will have the action Friday at 2.30 p.m. So just little day baseball for you uh, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. As for health and safety protocols, Scott Service also mentioning it's been clearly uh, the big focus so far. Really, really important. And, and that's the goal. The number one goal of this camp was keeping everybody healthy, um, you know, the best we could uh, dealing with you know, the protocols and things around the virus as well as, you know, the, the baseball related stuff. So that's really the focus right now, more so on that than, than really uh, anything else. And, you know, we've got four days under our belt. You know, when you sit back, we've never done this before. So when you sit back and look at, okay, what are the things, some of the things we can make some adjustments with is what we did last night. And um, I think the players are getting their work in. Uh, I think they, I know the feedback we're getting that they like the workouts, they're in and they're out. Um, staffing wise, uh, we'll start breaking up the staff a little bit too and, and moving those guys around just so uh, we're really staying diligent with the, the safety protocols. It was nice to hear from Kyle Seeger, one of the veterans on this team now, a very young, very youthful team, and talking about how players are dealing with that element of health and safety. Hey, Kyle, you guys heard about how you would be handling this and you had time to think about it while you were at home. Now that you have gone through it every day for the last few days, uh, does it make you feel better about it? Do you have more questions? Where's your comfortability with uh, how you guys are, are trying to do this? Well, I mean, there's definitely questions. You know, it's it's different for everybody. This isn't a – it's certainly not a normal spring training. Um, it's certainly not, 
you know, there's not a, a blueprint that you can follow for this. This is, this is all very different. Um, you know, if things need to get tightened up for sure, right? Like you see across the league, you know, the guy get the testing squared away. That's, that's something that we got to get figured out. So, you know, guys have to feel safe. If you don't feel safe, then you're going to have a lot more guys opting out. And I completely understand that. So. We'll hear from Jeff Passan, ESPN MLB insider, later in this hour on those testing protocols. As we saw, a lot of teams not able to complete their Monday workouts because they were still awaiting test results, including the Cardinals, the Houston Astros, and the Washington Nationals. Kyle Seeger, though, um, also speaking on the decision to return to play, very personal for each guy. Uh, he also talked about just figuring out how to deal with the mask on and off the field. And I liked this quote. Uh, he feels responsibility to be a leader when it comes to following protocol and setting an example for those around him. It might be my responsibility to certainly bring it up and have a discussion about it and everybody talk about it. Um it is what it is right now. I mean, nobody nobody would prefer to wear a mask. Everybody would rather, you know, be able to go about our normal lives and, you know, do the normal things. You know, playing, have, wearing a mask, you know, in the clubhouse is definitely strange, definitely different. Wearing a mask on the field is different. You know, it's not something we're accustomed to doing, but ultimately it is what it is right now. And, you know, if we put a mask on and we take care of our business, hopefully we can, you know, really get this thing rolling and, you know, we'll get to play some games and do our job. Also, lastly, from Scott Service, a couple of standouts so far in summer camp. Uh, we heard the Jared Kelnick home run yesterday, which I'm sure Scott will talk about this morning when he speaks with the media. Let's hear it one more time. <laughs> oh, my God. But Kyle Lewis, also another name he mentioned, as well as 18-year-old Noel V. Marte. He will not turn 19 until October of this year. But uh, the 18-year-old out of the Dominican Republic already making a name for himself. Back in January, Jerry DePoto, he was quoted as saying uh, when they use the 2080 scale in baseball and five tools would be 50 or better in each category. A lot of five-tool players you get are those 50 to 55 in each box. But DePoto saying Noelle isn't filling them with 55. He's filling them with big numbers. And Scott Service saying that he's already stood out in camp. Yeah, he's. It's. Uh, I can certainly see why uh, our scouts and player development people are so excited about him and you just look at the, the physical attributes that he brings, um, you know, it's, it's what they look like, you know, and um, he's got you know, a lot to learn. He's wide-eyed every day. And I think just watching, you, know, you start watching him in the infield drills, and I think it's great. He's paired up with J.P. Crawford, um, and, and J.P. is really fundamentally sound. And uh, Marte, he's got a ton of talent, but he needs experience. And sometimes you just, you know, the, the great players, they just watch other players and watch how they're doing it, watch how easy they make it look. And so really impressive what I've seen there. But, again, he's 18 years old. And, and uh, you know, but this camp is really, really valuable for those young players. I'm excited to have them here. I think it's great we brought everybody in. Remember, Intrasquad game, the first of them, this Friday, live right here on 710 ESPN Seattle, and you can listen at 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon. Up next on The Blitz, it's our first opportunity to hear from Patrick Mahomes, the very distinct vocal tones of Pat Mahomes yesterday. Also, Andy Reid breaking out his finest Tommy Bahama shirt uh, for that press conference about that record-setting contract. Also, Colin Cowherd on why Mahomes and Russell Wilson are the only two QBs that he would give 10-year contracts to. It's next on The Blitz, right here on 710. ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio.
Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, July 8th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Yesterday, some pretty big breaking news. The richest contract in sports history recorded and inked by one Mr. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. A 10-year extension worth up to $503 million. So probably a pretty good day for Pat Mahomes. And he spoke finally. Uh, It was our first chance to hear from him after signing that deal in a press conference, uh, which included Andy Reid. But here was Pat Mahomes on the fact that this deal gave him the security he wanted for a long-term future with the Chiefs. We were able to go out there and get this contract done the right way that not only gives me the the security that that I've always wanted, but also... Uh, allows opportunity for the team to be great around me uh, the entire duration of my career. And I, I, I have full trust that things will get handled, handled the right way as we go throughout this career and that we will be in the, a position to win a lot of football games and hopefully uh, win a lot more championships as, as my career goes on. Now, it's eye-popping figures for sure, but Patrick Mahomes in that best QB conversation along with Russell Wilson in this league. And so a lot of people, while... Still wide eyes at the number. Didn't think that it was by any means overpaying him. And Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach, speaking yesterday about how Mahomes is deserving of this new deal. Yeah, that's a that's a bold move. I mean, we we've uh, gone above and, and beyond and found something that is phenomenal for Pat and and his family and and also for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Pat was so so. Um, aware of, of the surroundings like he is on everything, uh, making sure that uh, not only was his deal done, but, but also uh, almost to a T was that, that, that he wanted, he wanted uh, the organization to have an opportunity to be able to bring in players. And, and that's a, in this day and age, uh, that unselfishness is a, is a tough thing uh, to find at times. So, my hat goes off to him and, and his maturity in this whole thing. Coach Reed also on the deal being a win on both sides. Listen, all in all, I think it's a great thing. Very seldom do you come out of a deal and go, you know what, it's a win-win. It's a win for the player. It's also a win for the team, the organization. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm one happy guy. I put on my best Tommy Bahama for all of you today just to celebrate this. Man, this is, this is a big day, and it's, it's an awesome thing. We'd expect nothing less, right, from Andy. Bill Barnwell uh, on yesterday on ESPN Radio, senior NFL writer, talked about how Lamar Jackson, in his mind, is the only one who can come close to this contract. I think he's the only one who you can make a similar case to Patrick Mahomes for. To me, even though I think Lamar Jackson is incredibly effective in, in controlling his body, in avoiding big hits, in getting out of bounds, really on tape, he's, he's phenomenal. It's one of his best skills that nobody talks about. Um, I, I just think when you have a running quarterback, he is going to take more hits inherently than a quarterback who doesn't run quite as frequently. So uh, to me, I, I think given the resume, given, like you said, what they've built around him, I think it makes sense to – has at least be on the table. But I think it's just tough to sit here and guarantee 10 years just about anybody. I think Patrick Mahomes might be the only exception uh, to that rule. Well, speaking of just that, Colin Cowherd with some thoughts yesterday on his show on The Herd that Mahomes and Russell Wilson are the only quarterbacks in the league that he would give 10-year deals to. There's only two people I would pay 10-year contracts to in the NFL, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. And let me let me talk about that. Those are the only two guys I would give 10-year contracts to. Now, I do realize that Russell Wilson would be in his 40s for a 10-year deal, but my takeaway is you watch Russell Wilson work out, take care of his body. He's like LeBron. He's going to age real well. Russell's going to age real well. 
But these are the two guys I'd give a 10-year contract to. A Lamar Jackson, win a playoff game. Aaron Rodgers, too old. Deshaun Watson, two ACLs. Carson Wentz, injury prone. But it's not about just about talent. So it starts with talent. You've got to have talent for me to give you a 10-year contract. But the reason I would give Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes that deal, and the reason Patrick got this deal yesterday after talent, was maturity. You can trust Russell Wilson if you give him a 10-year deal. You can trust Patrick Mahomes. There'll be no 3 a.m. phone calls, no embarrassing the franchise. You know when you drive to the facility, when Andy Reid pulls into the facility at 5.50 in the morning, Mahomes is going to be there for a decade. It's not just about talent. Wilson Mahomes, that's it. Ten years, that is it. Well, speaking of comparisons to the Seahawks, Bill Barnwell on yesterday with John Clayton and talked about some comparisons between where Kansas City and their situation might be at in the coming years to the Seahawks. I'll play you that next and more. It's next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, July 8th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. We heard a little bit from Bill Barnwell earlier in this hour, ESPN NFL senior writer, but he joined, took some time to chat with the professor yesterday with John Clayton about the Mahomes extension. Also had a comparison to the Seahawks. I'll play for you. Here was Bill yesterday. What was your first reaction when we find out that uh, Patrick Mahomes did a very unique 10-year extension that uh, was you know, a little light up front as far as the money and big in the back? Yeah, it's really fascinating, John. You know, at first I just thought about, you know, the idea of Patrick Mahomes going to the bank and checking his direct deposit slip and seeing, you know, $450 million, you know, as if he was getting it at once. And thought, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't mind that too much if I was Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, of course, with any NFL contract, when you get closer to the details, um, you know, you see just how it's structured and kind of the story each contract tells. And I think this contract does tell a really interesting story, and it's sort of what you said in your, in your question. You know, you're looking at um, a contractor that is pretty light up front, especially over the next three years, um, before hitting really lofty heights later in the deal. And I think what makes this fascinating is that, you know, uh, on a typical deal in the NFL, most of those uh, those numbers late in contracts aren't guaranteed, even for superstars. Um, you don't really see those numbers guaranteed, especially if it's this sort of contract where it's, you know, a 10-year deal, which is so rare. Um, but Mahomes does have some sort of guarantee structure on those numbers. So um, really by doing this, even if you left money on the table, as long as he's really, you know, able to step onto a football field and play at any level, he's really guaranteed himself a lot of this money over the next uh, 12 years. Yeah, but the funny part about the guarantees, because I know that everybody goes overboard on the guarantees, and they don't study it as closely as they should. You know, these deals, particularly the guarantees after, what, three years or so, are based on roster bonuses that have to be implemented if you're on the roster three days into the league year. And so uh, it's, it's not a guarantee if the team can get out of it. And, of course, you can take them off the roster. You know that's not going to happen. But uh, the trade-off is it's like, okay, fine. You know, we we don't guarantee anything past a couple of years because, again, it was a $10 million signing bonus is prorated for five years. But then you look at the mm-hmm. rest of the guarantees they can get out of it. But also, you know, Patrick gets his money early because he gets it then in uh, the third day of the league year. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs basically are making two bets. In the first half of this contract, they're betting that they can pay Patrick Mahomes two years in advance 
and not regret it. And at the end of the contract, they're betting they can pay Patrick Mahomes a year in advance or guarantee his money a year in advance and still feel like they can get away with it. And, you know, I, I thought about it, John, in writing my column today, and I don't know what you think, but are there any other players in the NFL where you could see this sort of deal or this sort of structure make sense for both sides? No. And the reason is, it's like, you know, other than uh, have, have we seen a quarterback all of a sudden emerge as the best quarterback in the league three years into his career? And it's really been that way now for more than a year. We've never seen something like this. And then, you know, it's great for the Chiefs to be able to lock him up for such a long period of time. But, you know, we've never seen a, very few quarterbacks that have risen as quickly as him. Yeah, I mean, think about his resume yeah, over the course of what's really been two years as a starter, plus you know, that one start in a meaningless game as a rookie, I mean, you have league MVP, you have Super Bowl MVP. Nobody else I, I can think of has done that. The closest thing might be something like Dan Marino, who, you know, league MVP in his second season, very similar to that Mahomes breakout year, made it to a Super Bowl, did not win. But, um, you know, I think that's really the only, the only guy who comes close in the modern era of football in terms of comparables. So, you know, I, I think rightfully uh, Patrick Mahomes' side said, hey, we need something absolutely special because you can't even compare Patrick to other quarterbacks. And I think the Chiefs said, hey, you're, you're two years away from free agency. Um, you know, we still have a lot of leverage. And so I think we kind of found a deal that makes sense for both sides given that, that criteria. Bill Barnwell also on paying a quarterback big-time money and maybe the Kansas Chiefs potentially having to sacrifice in other spots. He draws on a comparison with the Seahawks. At the end of the day, you know, I think when you make a decision to pay Mahomes or pay a Prescott, you have to kind of be willing to sacrifice elsewhere. We saw it with the Seahawks where, you know, of course, they would pay Russell Wilson, paid a lot of their stars, and then they sacrificed their offensive line and wanted to go on the cheap there, and that didn't work out for them. So um, it's a tricky formula. And I don't know that anyone's really solved the formula of, you know, outside of the Patriots, solved that formula of how do you win with this expensive veteran quarterback year after year. Don't miss Bill's full interview. It is available for you on 710sports.com. Just click on that podcast tab. It is under uh, the professor, John Clayton's podcast. Yesterday, uh, Mariners summer camp in full swing out there at T-Mobile Park. We heard Jared Kelnick's home run off the Hit It Here Cafe, a very loud home run. Also, summer camp just seems like an appropriate name, especially for the Mariners, because it is full of youthful faces, including 24-year-old outfielder Jake Fraley. He took some time to chat with Bob David Moore yesterday. We're looking forward to the beginning of the baseball season as much as anybody, but maybe not quite as much as our next guest, who is, I'm sure, eager to get out there and uh, swing a bat, catch a ball. All just some sense of normalcy. Jake Fraley of your Seattle Mariners is our guest here. Jake, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you? So we're we're doing really good. Uh, I just want to get your your uh, your thoughts on a few different things, but uh, more importantly, what did you do during the the shutdown here, where normally you'd be playing spring training games and honing your skills? Everybody's on lockdown. Did you did you have access to batting cages? Were you playing catch? What what, what was happening in terms of baseball for you? Yeah, uh, I mean. For, I mean, the majority of majority of us. Um, obviously, I can only really speak for myself, but just you know, from the guys that I know and spoke to, everyone was pretty much in the same situation where you know everything was shut down. You know, we were in a pandemic. I mean, we still are, um, but with the quarantine and, and all that, you know, we couldn't go to gyms. There weren't cages open, uh, so you kind of had to make the best of you know what you could get your hands on and what you had at your house. 
so that's what we did. Uh, we had a, we actually ended up staying out in Arizona. So we, we had a nice little setup out there, um, had a nice big garage. So we were able to get our hands on a couple different things equipment wise. And, uh, the Mariners helped us out with that as well. And then, uh, from a hitting standpoint, just hitting off the tee. Um, and really through that time, uh, DePoto really made sure that we understood that from the baseball activity side, it wasn't necessarily a huge, kind of necessity to worry about um, because obviously we knew this was going to probably end up being a long process and long thing that was going to go on uh, with the virus as obviously as an assumption um, with how bad things were at that time and so it was a lot of just trying to stay in the best shape we could and kind of utilize like I said what, what we can get our hands on and what we had at our house. Hey, Jake, it sounds like you're definitely a family guy, like uh, bringing your kids around, and I guess that's going to change this year. But um, I'll, I'll bet uh, having those young ones around has uh, kept you sane, right, Have it during this whole lockdown. <laughs> no, it definitely, it definitely has. Uh, I think my son misses baseball more than I did. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he's missing going to the ballpark. He, I mean, they're both, especially my son, uh, he's three, um, you know, has a good understanding of everything going on around him uh, at this age and, you know, remembering a lot of things. So, you know, it, this has kind of hit him hard in the sense because, I mean, he's used, to, he's used to going to the ball field every single day, you know, every year during baseball season to go watch Papa. So, you know, that, that's that been a little bit of a difficult thing having to explain that to him over and over and over again because he doesn't really fully, you know, wrap his mind around what's actually going on. and. Um, but man, they're, they're keeping me going. That's for sure. I don't have to worry about my cardio. They, they, they make sure they take care of that. <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to take you back to when you, when you came here to Seattle, obviously you, you come in the way of a trade, uh, Mike Zanino and Guillermo Heredia head out to Tampa. You come over here with Malik Smith. What was that like? I always, I always wonder for, for young guys that haven't really gotten their first chance at the league. They're not veterans yet. If it's, is it jarring? Do you, do you kind of just figure, man, I'm, I'm a Tampa Bay Ray for life, and I can't wait to be out there. Is it what? What is that feeling to know you've been traded? Yeah, it's a weird. It's a, it, I mean, it's, it's a really weird thing. I think if anybody tells you different for one, um, I mean, especially for me, you know, I'm I'm still. You know, I haven't played professional ball that long. I was just drafted in 16, and quite honestly, I haven't played that much either. Uh, you know, like I said, I was drafted in 16, had short, you know, little short season, two months right after you get drafted that everybody goes through. And 17, I played about 20 games and uh, ended up getting plunked in the knee with some beef that went back and forth between us and another team. I ended up missing that entire year after those first 20 games. Uh, so really didn't play 17 and then um, ended up playing uh, 18 and then got traded. And then obviously last year here at Seattle in 19, um, so, you know, especially being that early in my career and still being early in my, you know, professional career, you know, you you envision yourself, you know, getting to the big league of that team that drafts you, of course, everybody does. Um and so for me I just obviously didn't didn't know that, that was gonna entail me being in the visiting dugout when I got there. Uh I thought I was gonna be in the home dugout with Tampa. So it was a very unique thing, man. It was obviously such a blessing, um, to be able to do that, you know, against the team that drafted me, but um, you know, it's been a blessing to be able to come here, over here to Seattle. Uh, you know, everybody over here is awesome. Um, unbelievable coaches, unbelievable staff, uh, to be able to, you know, get me to have the opportunity, you know, last year and then obviously going into this year and going forward being in the big leagues and um, looking forward to uh, many, many years here. That was Jake Fraley on with Bob, Dave, and more in that full interview, also available at 710sports.com. Up next, 
on the Blitz. A number of current and former WNBA players are calling for the ousting of co- of the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. We'll explain that story. Plus, the Ryder Cup expected to be postponed until 2021, although the official announcement has yet to come down. Plus, the MLS's back tournament is supposed to kick off today, but already one of the games being pushed back to a later date. It's in the hot list next, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! our first chance to look at the 60-game schedule released by Major League Baseball yesterday. Buster Olney of ESPN had some thoughts on some matchups to watch this season. That first series, Yankees and Nationals. And yes, they'll be part of the broadcast team on July 23rd. But look, these are two teams that come into this year with high expectations. The Yankees, the best team on paper that we've seen in maybe 20 years. The Nationals, the defending champions, Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. But it'd also be the first time that we get that feel for the accelerated aspect of this where, you know, two wins for either team, two straight losses, and anxiety will start to kick in. And on top of that, if, in fact, we have that game, then it'll be the first indication, yes, baseball, after a bumpy road down the runway, is starting to take off. In his mind, which team benefits most from the schedule? Of course, now teams playing just within their geographic location. So the interleague games uh, will be playing against the National League teams or the American League teams within their same division, limiting travel. Buster, only which team benefits the most from the schedule? I got the Chicago White Sox, an up-and-coming team with a lot of young stars. Lucas Giolito, for example, they just signed Yasmani Grandal. They come into the season with a lot of hope. And statistically, if they have the uh, fourth easiest schedule On paper, remember, about a third of their games are going to be against the Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals. That could help the White Sox contend in the American League Central. A number of current and former WNBA players, including Cheryl Swoops, Natasha Cloud, and Sue Bird, have asked for the removal of Kelly Loeffler as co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. After Loeffler, a Republican senator from Georgia, wrote to WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert, to express her opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement. Loeffler was responding to the WNBA's having approved displaying Black Lives Matter prominently on courts when the league resumes its season. Also, the WNBA and its union agreeing to honor uh, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, among others. And Loeffler, who is a pretty big-time supporter of President Trump, wrote uh, that she adamantly opposes the Black Lives Matter political movement. She also wrote, quote, I believe it is totally misaligned with the values and goals of the WNBA and the Atlanta Dream. A number of current and former players, as I mentioned, uh, coming out and making statements in opposition to that, including Cheryl Swoops, Alicia Clark, Skylar Dickens-Smith, Natasha Cloud, Sue Bird, here locally, and asked for the removal of Loeffler as co-owner of the Dream Swoops tweeting out that the NBA must do better. The NBA did issue a statement Tuesday saying the WNBA is based on the principle of equal and fair treatment of all people. And we, along with the teams and players, will continue to use our platforms to vigorously advocate for social justice. Senator Kelly Loeffler has not served as a governor of the Atlanta Dream since October 2019 and is no longer involved in the day-to-day business of the team. So already... uh, The league's coming out and saying that she is not involved in the day-to-day business, but a lot of players 
wanting more and her complete removal from the organization because they believe that she is not aligned with the WNBA's goals um, on inclusion and uh, tolerance as well. Um, ESPN basketball analyst Latrina Robinson also speaking on this and saying, as of now, we're waiting on Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner, to uh, to make a statement. It will be interesting to see what happens, right? I mean, when you look at the leadership of the WNBA right now, and you know, as, as far as the, the commissioner Kathy Engelbert, like she's got a situation on her hands, right? Something where the players are obviously expressing how unhappy they are, and that they they want to see Leffler removed. And so, you know, it would be interesting to see what Kathy Engelbert is doing behind the scenes. I have seen some messages on Twitter that, that imply that she is addressing this in some way. So I am not sure if there would be a forced out situation. But I, I definitely think that Kelly Leffler is hopefully getting the clear message that she is not wanted. One of golf's biggest events will be postponed until 2021 amid the coronavirus pandemic and health and safety concerns. The 2020 Ryder Cup will be pushed to 2021 due to health and safety issues and the likelihood that fans would be unable to attend the face-off between the United States and Europe. The official announcement is yet to be made, but is expected that the PGA of America and the European Tour are expected to come out and officially released that statement this morning, along with the news that the President's Cup will subsequently be moved back a year to 2022 as well. The Ryder Cup was scheduled for September 25th through the 27th at Whistling Straits in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and will be delayed until the same time frame in 2021. The President's Cup was scheduled for September 30th to October 3rd in 2021 Excuse me, at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the Ryder Cup will take that window. President's Cup will be pushed to 2022. And then the next Ryder Cup, scheduled uh, originally around the same slot as the President's Cup, will uh, be pushed to the back of year as well in Rome. There's a lot of twos in everything I'm saying right now, but you guys get it. Nashville SC's game against the Chicago Fire in the MLS's back tournament has been postponed until a later undisclosed date. That game was originally set for today at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, part of the kickoff festivities for the MLS's back tournament. The league also announced yesterday that the match between FC Toronto and DC United which was originally scheduled for July 10th, will now take place on July 12th due to Toronto's delayed arrival in Orlando. Um, Stefano Fusaro, who covers the MLS for for ESPN and uh, is the official bubble reporter right now, talked about uh, the MLS. They'll continue to monitor Nashville as of now with additional testing. The entire Nashville traveling party has been quarantined since they arrived here. Uh, and had those five positive tests and the four inconclusive tests. Now, the league says that they'll continue to evaluate Nashville's participation in this tournament over the next few days following that additional testing. So positive tests causing the postponement. And it follows now the withdrawal of FC Dallas from the tournament on Monday, along with the news that MLS MVP Carlos Vela opted against traveling to the tournament with LAFC. Stefano Fasaro also reporting on MLS just moving forward at this point, despite a lot of these postponements and some positive tests. Now, I will tell you this. MLS is moving forward with this tournament, uh, and, and here's why. They are feel comfortable with the protocols that they have in place following positive tests. And, and so far, by all accounts, it has worked. Now, FC Dallas, uh, that we're going to talk about in a second, being out of the tournament, they had 10 positive tests to players and one to a coach, uh, but they were able to contain it only to that team. 
The same thing with Nashville. If you take Nashville and, and FC Dallas out of the mix, you only have one player of the over a thousand players that have been tested now with all 26 teams now currently inside of the bubble. Uh, only one player, and, and our sources tell us that's from the Columbus crew, has tested positive. So by all accounts, their abilities and, and, and efforts to control and contain the virus after the positive test have worked, and that's why they're continuing to move forward with this tournament. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson has apologized for a series of anti-Semitic Instagram posts over the weekend, one of which included a quote about Jewish people falsely attributed to Adolf Hitler. Jackson posted a passage to his Instagram story that claimed to quote Hitler and saying that black people were quote the real children of Israel and that white Americans would be terrified to know that they had been quote mistreating and discriminating and lynching them. Screenshots were published by the Philadelphia Inquirer as well as other publications. Jackson later wrote that his original post had been misinterpreted. However, in a different post, he shared a specific paragraph referencing a Jewish plan to, quote, extort America. Uh, NBC Sports and other outlets reported that he also shared a clip from a speech made by Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam leader who has been widely criticized and whom the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center have identified as anti-Semitic. Um, Jackson addressed the backlash in a video that he posted on his Instagram on Tuesday, apologizing, saying just, quote, I just want to first off extend an apology on behalf of me and what I stand for, because, you know, I'm one that's fair and I never want to put any race down or any people down. He also said that he regretted posting about Hitler at all. The Eagles on Tuesday responded by calling Jackson's post, quote, offensive, harmful and absolutely appalling and said the team would take appropriate action. Team owner Jeffrey Lurie and general manager Howie Roseman are both Jewish. Jackson expressed a desire uh, after all of this to educate himself and work directly with the Jewish community. As of now, no discussion on suspension or termination has been raised with Jackson to this point, according to ESPN. Bomani Jones with some thoughts on this yesterday, though. Yeah, like, I don't even really know if there's that much to make out of it, right? Like, it was ridiculous. And if you, like, read everything, not just what he highlighted, this is obviously not a book that went through any rigor editorially, right? Like, like it's, like it, 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 so much of it reads as amateur, including the fact that apparently Hitler didn't even give this quote. But as a general pro tip, I would recommend for you that if the past starts with Hitler said, it ends with Hitler was right. This is not a direction that you need to go in. This isn't where to go. I have no idea where his mind is at. I have no idea where his heart was at. But that was a ridiculous, bigoted, and problematic thing to share in public. And whatever the Eagles ultimately do here is just going to be whatever they do. NFL released a statement Tuesday calling Jackson's comments, quote, highly inappropriate, offensive and divisive and saying that they stand in stark contrast to the NFL's values of respect, equality and inclusion. L. Duncan, Sports Center host, also, uh, I believe, on Around the Horn yesterday, Around the Home, as they are calling it as of now, uh, with some thoughts on this. As Deshaun well. Jackson posted a quote that was wrongly attributed to Adolf Hitler, and the Eagles essentially described it as a teachable moment, and I think that couldn't be more tone deaf, because there would be deserved outrage if a white player posted a quote on Instagram attributed to David Duke. There is no hierarchy when it comes to bigotry. Racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, they are all despicable behaviors. They are all disgusting and as such should all be treated in the same vein. Eagles signed Jackson to a three-year deal back in March 2019. This is his second stint with the team. Yesterday, a pretty epic, memorable home run moment at uh, T-Mobile Park. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God.
That is courtesy of one Mr. Jared Kelnick, uh, hitting it off the Hit Here Cafe. That was among several standout moments at camp and Scott's service. This was actually prior to the workouts yesterday, talking about some of the people that have stood out, including Kyle Lewis and Noel V. Marte. Uh, it's ironic because this I'm sure we'll get to hear about Kelnick's home run from him yesterday, but he mentioned Kyle Lewis homering in workouts. Kyle Lewis did a homer. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, again, um, I like what I've seen. And, and uh, you know, we know we got a lot of talented young players, and it's fun to be around those guys. It's fun to see them and get to know them personally a little bit, the conversation. Even the guys just out of the draft. Uh, I think that they've handled things, even you know, on the first day, uh, compared to where they were yesterday, you can kind of see them start to relax a little bit and certainly see why our people drafted them where they did. So a uh, lot to watch every day. Um, it's exciting to get in. Just very grateful and thankful we can actually get on the field. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. All of our guys uh, pay attention to the protocols and what they're doing, not just at the field, um, but away from the field. That's going to be really, really key as we move forward. Also did give an update on catcher Tom Murphy. He'll be okay. Uh, the x-ray of his foot was negative, so that's good news. And nobody else dealing with some significant injuries right now. And a reminder, baseball will return this Friday. You'll be able to hear the Mariners live as they play their first intra-squad game to get ready for the season at 710 ESPN Seattle, the only place that you can hear it. Your favorite voices, Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith. They'll have the action Friday at 2.30 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Let's just hear it one more time. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. <laughs>